Now it's time for Letter to Hong Kong, which this week comes from legislator Helena Wong of the Democratic Party. This program is a personal view program. Dear Dada, it has been almost four months since you left Hong Kong to pursue your study in Canada, and I am deeply sorry for not being able to reply to your earlier request concerning my views on President Xi Jinping's speech on the ceremony of the 20th anniversary of Hong Kong's return to China until now. Assuming that you have not read the speech itself, allow me to summarize its key points before sharing with you my own thoughts. The speech can roughly be divided into two main parts. Presidency emphasized in the first part of his speech the shared fate of Hong Kong and the motherland and praised the one country, two systems formula, which allows Hong Kong to keep its distinctive features and strengths as an innovative and by and large successful solution of a historical issues. Yet, in the second part of the speech, presidency is of the view that somehow Hong Kong is still not good enough in implementing one country, two systems. In particular, he thinks that Hong Kong should do more to uphold national sovereignty, security and development interests, and that Hong Kong should enhance education and raise public awareness of the history and culture of Chinese nation, etc. He then offered four key suggestions for moving forward under one country, two systems. First, we need to have a correct understanding of the relationship between one country, two systems. That is, we must both adhere to the one country principle and respect the differences of the two systems. And at no time should we focus only on one aspect to the neglect of the other. Second, we need to always act in accordance with the constitution and the basic law. Third, we should always focus on development as the top priority because economic development holds the golden key to resolving various issues in Hong Kong. Fourth, and finally, Hong Kong must always maintain a harmonious and stable social environment and wants that making everything political or deliberately creating differences and provoking confrontation can only severely hinder Hong Kong's economic and social development. Toward the end of the speech, presidency stresses that the continued success of the one country, two systems is part and parcel of fulfilling the Chinese dream of national renewal, and that Hong Kong will continue to receive China's full backing insofar as it also participates in China's grand development strategies, such as the Belt and Road Initiative, the Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area, etc. Dear Dada, I believe that this speech is an extremely important one as it lays out the major contour of China's Hong Kong policy, the foundation of which is to better integrate Hong Kong into China's overall project of strategic development. Whether one is in agreement with this or not, one can only ignore it at one's peril. Having said this, I do think that many people in Hong Kong may not be in full agreement with many things being said in his speech. For example, as a description of one country, two system, one may regard the statement that 
the people of Hong Kong now masters of their own house, run their own local affairs, as being an exaggeration at best for the arms of various mainland Chinese authorities meddling in Hong Kong affairs in recent years are just too obvious to the eyes of anyone willing to see. Most people in Hong Kong have no objection to one country, two systems. Their concern is rather that one country, two systems is increasingly becoming one country, one system. The successfulness of one country, two systems depends ultimately on the willingness of the central government to exercise a high degree of self-restraint and avoid the temptation to interfere with Hong Kong's internal affairs. Indeed, China would have to do a lot more in order to convince the people of Hong Kong, as well as the international community, that the Chinese vision is one which values openness and inclusiveness. To convince is not the same as to indoctrinate. And when presidency tells us that it is important to raise awareness and enhance guidance, especially to step up patriotic education of the young people, I am afraid it would be more counterproductive than he would have thought. This is not to say that the people of Hong Kong are unpatriotic and a stupid patriot, as my fellow lawmaker, Mrs. Regina Yip, has recently and correctly remarked, may and often do more harm to his country than someone who is less patriotic. Patriotism has many shapes and colors, and Hong Kong people are just not comfortable with any type of hard selling, be it commercial or political. Presidency is surely right that Hong Kong should focus on development and improving people's livelihood. Who would argue against the benefits of development or his advice that it is important to put people first, helping them overcome difficulties, especially address permanent economic and livelihood issues? But then his counsel become less useful when economic development is separated from the pursuit of social justice and the stewardship of our environment, as is the case when the Hong Kong government spends billions of dollars on infrastructural projects, while turning a blind eye to the inadequacy of many social services. When development itself jeopardizes. The livelihood of numerous people. Then, what exactly does putting people first mean? Nor is Hong Kong people particularly fond of making everything political, or deliberately creating differences and provoking confrontation. They love peace and harmony, like everybody else. However. When the decision-making processes are dominated by vested interests, when the government is as irresponsive to people's needs and demands as it is incompetent, when the political system is no longer effective in channeling different views into the government, when the election system itself promotes radicalism and factionalism. And when at least some radical factions are hard fighters of some pro-establishment forces, then some degree of political confrontation is unavoidable and, frankly, only to be expected. As in most political and diplomatic speeches, what is left unsaid 
is often more important than what is being said. There is absolutely no mention of the prospects of political reform in Hong Kong, nor indeed that of China. The Chinese dream of national renewal, laudable as it is in so many respects, is hopelessly inadequate in this regard. It is precisely for this reason that the people of Hong Kong have been striving to develop a more democratic political system, which, after all, has been promised to the people of Hong Kong and enshrined in the Basic Law. This is our dream. It may be small and humble in comparison to the Chinese dream, but the latter could be nothing if it is not composed of thousands, indeed millions, of smaller dreams. The Hong Kong dream is not incompatible with the Chinese dream. Rather, the Chinese dream should be big enough to accommodate different smaller dreams, which, if realized, would make the Chinese dream even more attractive and more likely to succeed. Dear Dada, I know fully well that you may not entirely agree with my views, just as I'm not in full agreement with presidencies. At least, I have been trying to convince you by persuasion and reasoning rather than indoctrination or force. I expect the same from you in your reply. Wish you have a happy Chinese National Day, Helena.